How often are you trying to control your partner's emotions? Maybe it's through intimidation, self-pity, silence. Maybe you're doing it in a different manner. Is there a person in your life who makes you carefully pick your words because you fear their reaction? Welcome back to The Liz Show. Today we're talking about codependency. Now, if you want to learn more about the science and psychology of codependency, then you're going to need to go to my blog, Breaking Codependency. That link is in the show notes. Today we're going to have a quick run through of codependency. It's a really big topic. So I'm just going to give you a slither of it. If you're wanting to know a little bit of like how it's created and what you can do to break it, then go to my blog. Let's start with a simple question. What is codependency? Big picture, codependency is a mental health designation for relationships in which people get their own emotional needs met. It's selfish and it's extremely destructive. Now, all forms of codependency revolve around what a person can get from someone else by giving him or her something in return. Notice the self-preservation there is selfish. And again, when we're talking about self-preservation, you really have to look at the intention, where your heart is. That's really going to be the deciding factor. Might not be what you want to hear, but I'm just sharing truth. I want to share a few examples of what codependency can look like. By no means are these all of them. They are just some examples. One example would be a parent may expect to control his or her adult child because of the parent's financial support. Another one would be when a friend refuses to confront another friend about his or her drug use for fear of losing a relationship with that friend. Or maybe your partner uses intimidation or domineering tactics to get their way. Another one would be maybe your partner is making crude gestures while you're talking and you get frustrated because you're feeling unheard, right? Because they're focusing more on their gestures. And when you say, hey, what you're doing right now is making me feel unheard, could you stop? They immediately sulk and say, well, now you're making me feel like a piece of crap. You know, I find this proverb to be so incredibly fitting for this topic. It says, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. A person who is full refuses honey, but even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. That's Proverbs 27, 5, 7. Now, by no means am I saying openly rebuke every single person and every single matter you run into. You really do have to grow in wisdom and discernment when you openly rebuke a person. But it's easier to say nothing than something. And when you really love someone, you do the harder thing, not the easier thing. Remember, love gives, lust takes. Now, at the core, the relationship is focusing on using one another rather than giving unconditional love and honest acceptance. And again, this stems from our selfish human nature. Codependent people are like a parasite and a host, right? They each use the other to get something for themselves. Now, such a relationship is not helpful because neither party is really willing to be truthful and both parties are selfishly clinging to whatever it is they are gaining in that relationship. It could be money, it could be sex, it could be significance, friendship, admiration, power, it could be so many things. And so this is why sometimes you really need to ask yourself, what is the value I'm getting from this person? Why am I clinging to them? What's the meaning I make out of it? And how could I show God's love more to that person? How could I serve them more? 
you got to remember, most fights are out of selfish desires. In almost a decade of coaching, I'm absolutely amazed at how codependent I once was. And number two, how many people are codependent? I don't believe in overgeneralization, but I'm pretty sure that every human on planet Earth at one point was codependent. You can break it. By all means, I did. And I continue to grow on it. And I hope to help you do the same. I'm also learning so many couples are in these unhealthy and extremely codependent relationships. We really need to serve one another. And there's tremendous freedom when you do that. Plus your relationship grows. Like, oh, it's amazing when you start to uh, crucify that selfishness. Now, you may not like hearing this, but our needs truly are to be fulfilled by God and not others. Now, maybe you're like, well, what do you mean by needs here, Liz? Great question. And unfortunately, that's a huge conversation, one we don't have time for. But we'll touch on it, okay? So God created us to have relationships, to provide value, to work and create goodness in the world and so forth. In short, we could say there are three types of needs. Number one, spiritual. Number two, physical and relational. And number three, psychological. But if we're honest, really honest, many of what we say are our needs, are really desires. For instance, I need sex. Selfish. I need my wife to love me. Selfish. I need to be great. Selfish. It's all rooted in selfishness. The needs that involve humans like community and relationships are to be selfless and serving. God created us to be interconnected, to have community, to have relationship, to help one another. He didn't create us to use one another. It's about serving, selflessness. It's like listening to a friend when you're really busy and don't feel like you have the time. Or doing a good job at work when you don't like your boss and you feel too tired. The bottom line is we are to enjoy these relationships and interactions with one another, but we are not to trust and rely on them, and they should not be our source of life, if that makes sense. We are to rest in Jesus Christ alone and love him more than any human companion. How many people do you use to make you feel better? How many things do you lean on to fulfill your selfish desires? No judgment. Look, I had to do this myself. And it was amazing to learn how deep selfishness goes in our psyche. And maybe you're starting to realize how selfish you are. It can be so unconscious. But when you start to realize where you are being motivated by selfishness, oh my goodness, freedom can come in. And that's what we're after, right? Because the more single-minded you are, the easier it is going to be to fulfill your life's mission. Because you're going to be wasting less bandwidth on those contradicting feelings and thoughts and emotions. You will just be able to move forward in a straight line. Now, I believe our deepest need is God himself. If you have God, you have everything. Psalms 23 really nails it. God asks us to be selfless and serving, not putting our selfish desires above another. God's job is to satisfy our needs, right? My God supplies all my needs according to his riches, right? God gives you your needs, the spiritual, the physical, and the psychological needs. And he's the one that makes us feel good about ourselves because the more you think about him and less about you, oh my, freedom. Freedom is there. That's where freedom lives. Your true needs are for you to have a life and have it more abundantly through Christ, not what you can gain or what earthly thing could help you feel better. 
And we'll talk about this in a second. But let's touch on the core roots involved in codependency. You know me, I like to find the roots. I like to pull them out and plant something instead. And we'll talk about that at a high level. Now, at the root of codependency is rejection and elements of pride. That would make sense. Selfishness, fear of man, and lack of boundaries. Basically, you see humans as first place and God as second place. You say, that human is bigger than God. I know it sounds foolish when we consciously talk about it, but this is what's happening at an unconscious level. Codependents rely on one another for emotional needs and even some physical needs, rather taking care of them through presenting them to God and allowing God to meet them. So they lack faith and trust in God to care for their needs and as a result, manipulate one another to get what they want. This is just terrible, right? And in fact, if you really look at this, witchcraft is involved in it because you are using manipulation to get what you want. And I believe the Hebrew word for manipulate means witchcraft. So let's talk about that pride. Pride blinds us from seeing our true self the way God sees us. While God loves us regardless of our sin, he has declared that we are 100% wicked and in need of a savior, Mark 10, 18. That message offends the codependent's pride. So were you offended? It's okay. No harm, no foul. Gotta be honest. Be yourself. Jesus knows you. Codependent's do have some awesome traits, but it's uh, manifested in a destructive manner, right? For instance, codependents are super loyal. They will support sinful and even illegal behaviors within themselves or their friends or their partners. And through denial or idolization, codependents keep each other feeling that they are not the ones with the problem, right? Like, I don't got the problem, you got the problem, right? They're too insecure to actually see and accept where their problem lies. Codependency is a way to keep your blinders on and ignore your sin, right? It's an avoidance mentality. Codependents are usually attracted to one another and will keep each other stuck in a dysfunctional blind spot by telling each other what they want to hear. This way, they both can feel okay despite the chaos their choices are creating. People who avoid telling the truth in love have trouble recognizing their own sinful habits or need for repentance. Do you see how this is all entangled? Do you see the big knot too? Let's touch on fear of man for a second. When you are driven by wanting people to think highly of yourself, you struggle with fear of man. Fear of man, by the way, is fabricated into our DNA. It's what happened when Adam ate the fruit, right? It's one of the ways we feel shame. Fear of man will result in people-pleasing behaviors to create a facade to hide the genuine flawed self, right? So when we talk about codependency, really the core root is fear of man. Scripture identifies the epidemic of the soul as fear of man. Now, what is fear of man? Let's get really granular on that. It's where you replace God with people. Instead of being biblically guided by the fear of the Lord that reverence, we fear others. We're so busy trying to fit in with the person in front of us that we abandon God and be careful because he'll do the same to you if you keep it up. Fear in the Bible is a much broader word, by the way. It includes being afraid of someone, but it extends to holding someone in awe, being controlled or mastered by someone, worshiping someone or something, putting trust in someone or something, needing something or someone more than needing God. I own my own business and not too long ago I realized that my business was my golden calf and I had to lay it down. 
You can be codependent on a business. Do you need something from your spouse or your friend? Do you need your spouse to listen to you? Do you need your spouse to respect you? When we look for life and contentment in anything created, we will be disappointed. Life and contentment can only be found in Christ. Let's talk about the many faces of codependency or fear of man. And I want to share about 24 ways it can manifest. Number one, and this is not a hierarchy order. This is just how I discovered them. Desire for reputation. Ooh, maybe I should add, take note of how many you participate with. Again, we're just growing awareness. We're not condemning. There is no condemnation here. This is just how we're going to grow. All right, number one, desire for reputation. Number two, extremely low self-esteem. Number three, imposter syndrome. Number four, need for respect. Number five, overthinking, second-guessing yourself. Number six, peer pressure. Seven, people-pleasing. Eight, anger or intimidation. Nine, endless ego. Ten, aggressively asserting that you don't need anyone. Eleven, too afraid to share your views, perspective, or belief. Twelve, overcommitting. 13, easily embarrassed. People's perceived opinions control you and may even define you. 14, codependency. 15, lying or using other forms of living in the dark in order to make yourself look better in front of people. 16, jealousy and envy. You are controlled by what people have or are doing. 17, spending time wondering what are other people thinking about you. 18, desiring your spouse to forever be smitten with you. 19, fearing your spouse won't think you're a great wife or husband. 20, feeling empty and looking for another person to love you, so being love hungry. 21, feeling fairly certain that God loves you, but you also want or need love from other people, or at least they need something from other people, right? So maybe it's not love, maybe it's respect, maybe it's power, whatever it is, there's something else that they're looking for man to fulfill. 22, people make you angry, depressed, or crazy. Basically, they're controlling the center of your life. 23, avoidance of people or activities. I'm totally guilty of this one. I'm working through it. (laughs) Maybe you believe you don't need people. I've kind of been there too, just being honest. I'm asking you to be honest, so I'll be honest. Um, Hermits are dominated by fear of man. You know, my childhood was one of those rough childhoods, and I'll tell you, I can fall into isolation. I have gone so far in breaking it. It's still not fully broken, but... I have come so far, so there's hope. And 24, wanting to be strong or thin, daydreaming about losing weight or bulking. Diets are usually focused on impressing another human. When you desire praise of others, this is one way that we exalt people above God. They're all signs and indicators that we can still be controlled by other people. And it is true, what or who you need will control you. So what or who do you need right now? What or whom have you tried to get in the recent days, months, and years? What is the burning desire in your heart? What's been frustrating you? Now, to really understand the roots of fear of man, we must ask the right questions. And when I found these questions, oh my, oh my, I had some revelations. It was pretty powerful and I hope the same for you. So instead of asking, how can I feel better about myself and not be controlled by what people think? That's a crappy question. Here are two better questions. Number one, why am I so concerned with my self-esteem? 
Isn't that an amazing question? Why am I so concerned with my self-esteem? Number two, why do I have to have someone, even Jesus, think I'm great? Oof, that one hit me in my heart. Notice how these questions focus on needing people for ourselves in order to feel good about who we are. When you root your self-esteem within yourself, you will always be empty. When you root your self-esteem in God, you will always be filled. We end up needing humans more for ourselves more than you love them for the glory of God, right? Like God called us to love people and to let his light shine through. And when our focus is about what I can get from them or I need them to feel good about myself, you're in danger. God sets up the task of needing people to fulfill us less and loving them more. So how can you need God more and need people less? And one way you can need them less is learning how to be selfless, humble whenever interacting with them. Including in these answers is the fact that we need to think less often about ourselves. That is really one of the hidden gems to this. So let's talk about healthy boundaries. What are you to do? How do we develop these healthy boundaries? Healthy boundaries are needed by everyone to maintain convictions and avoid being manipulated. Codependent people don't feel like a whole person and tend to copy others and attach themselves to people to gain a sense of identity. Now this manifests by an inability to make their own choices because they want to persevere their dependent relationship. This manifests by inability to make their own choices because they want to preserve their dependent relationship. Or they overstep other boundaries and and try to control others rather than focusing on themselves. So this is how you overcome it. I'm going to give you two tactics for boundaries. Number one, learn yourself. Date yourself. Get to know who you are, especially in the company of God. Get to know who God says you are. Go on dates, find hobbies, find things you want to do and do it with yourself and definitely bring God into it. Number two, this is going to be your go-to verse. It's Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Mic drop. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Trust in God. That's how you overcome it. You trust God. You look to him to be your provider, not to them. Look to him. This is what the Bible says to do. The Bible addresses the issues of codependency a lot differently than psychology. Big shocker, right? And what the Bible focuses on is telling us how we ought to relate to one another. So first off, it's interdependence. One concept, interdependence, is found in the Bible, and it is the state of being mutually responsible to others while sharing a common set of principles. And number two... This is the only antidote I found in three months of excessive research on codependency. I have more notes on codependency than I ever thought I would have. Psychology doesn't have an antidote. They have coping mechanisms. The antidote is fear of the Lord. And I love what author and psychologist Edward Welch says. He says, the most radical treatment for the fear of man is the fear of the Lord. God must be bigger to you than people are. This antidote takes time to grasp. In fact, it will take all of our lives. But my hope is that the process can be accelerated and nurtured through what we study in this book, the Bible. Regarding other people, our problem is that we need them for ourselves more than we love them for the glory of God. God sets us the task of needing them less and loving them more. His book, 
is a great book. I really encourage you to get it. I'll put that in the show notes too. It's called When People Are Bigger and God is Small. It is truly transformational. Again, he's a Christian psychologist, Christian author, and that book will change your life as it did mine. I hope you got some nuggets on how you can break codependency and get free. And remember that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You got this. I'm rooting for you. Make sure you leave me a review on Apple. That would mean the world to me. I'll put that link down in show notes as well. And share this to one friend who needs it because pretty much everyone's codependent. It's a spectrum. And remember, you got this and create a great day.